We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How to find and hit on sleepers. That's what we're talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at YarsburgGretsch. You can find my Substack at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his work over at Rotoviz. And today we're joined by an industry titan, analyst of the year, I think twice in a row while I was uh, there at CBS. A buddy of mine, I got an opportunity to work with him for, for 16 months, and it was an absolute blast. It's Jamie Eisenberg, he of the great sleepers, breakouts, and bus columns that he writes every year, different versions of them. I'm sure, I, I noticed that your, your version 2.0 came out in July. I'm sure version 3.0 is on its way. We're going to talk to Jamie all about how to find sleepers and who his sleepers are this year. But first, Jamie, how are you doing? Good, good to talk with you again. Uh, it's good talking to you. Uh, you know, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, um... You know, it's a it's a pleasure. Uh, I, I appreciate the intro. And, and Ben, the only reason I won those awards was because of, of you. So um, I will, I will, I'll mail them to you whenever you're uh, whenever. You're yeah, the, the first one that you won before I was even at CBS was certainly because of me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I wanted to start actually talking a little bit about news. I mean, we're going to get into your sleepers for sure. But one of the things that I really enjoyed in my time working with you was how on top of news coverage you guys all were. I'm so in the weeds with numbers. Everyone who knows me knows I'm stats, I'm, I'm data, I'm, I'm prospect profiles. You do a really good job of staying on top of camp news and, and information that I think really helped me round out my analysis. And I think it added a lot to sort of my process. I, I want to know first, like, how do you differentiate sort of actionable news from coach speak? That's something we're all trying to do. And especially this time of year, there's so much of it coming out of camp. What are some things you look for and that you're more willing to trust than, than some of the other stuff that might just be camp hype? I think, you know, first off, uh, we're all probably guilty of this uh, as fantasy analysts, as fantasy players, as football fans in general. Um, when you have a feeling about a player or a team or a situation, if you hear something positive, it's confirmation bias. You know, if you hear something negative, it's confirmation bias the other way. And so, you know, you, you hear something like, I'll just give you an example, you know, so we have, and this, this is what helps me the most, uh, to sort of, you know, get through the BS of, of a lot of it is, um, and, and I hope you, you know, benefited from it when you were here, Ben, is that, uh, we have a lot of great NFL reporters at CBS and, you know, we lost this last year because of the pandemic, but we have guys back on the road again. 
And so Pete Prisco, Jason LaConfora, uh, you know, a couple of our former players, Brian McFadden, Brady Quinn, um, you know, they're so plugged into the league. Jonathan Jones now, who's, you know, becoming a, a, a very fast rising, you know, NFL insider for us. Um, they're so plugged into the league, you know, that we get the benefit of, you know, what those guys report, but also what they don't report, you know, and, and those things kind of help you uh, behind the scenes. But, you know, it's it's taking advantage of, of those certain, you know, certain scenarios of who do you trust and, you know, pushing you in a direction I think that you want to go. So the example I was going to give you is Jonathan Jones was with the 49ers and was just, and the Chargers, you know, this week. So he's on his, his California swing. You probably saw the report on, on NBC Sports about uh, Justin Jackson, you know, and, and what he was, you know, learning there about his role as the as the second guy. It's sort of been, you know, a little bit of a snowball that, that's been building toward that. But, you know, to hear one of our guys say that, you know, you, you feel a little bit more comfortable about it. Um, he also was, you know, in San Francisco and hearing great things about Trey Sermon, you know, where somebody told him there, Alvin Kamara-like, uh, Ezekiel Elliott-like. You know, he doesn't profile like, you know, those guys per se, but, you know, maybe just taking that step forward. And, and we just talked about this on CBS Sports HQ. Um, Heath brought up something, uh, you know, and, and we all try to draw comparisons. So Heath brought up something about when Michael Thomas uh, was in his rookie season with the Saints in camp, and they had a joint practice with the Texans. And DeAndre Hopkins says, wow, that guy looks like me. And the players were starting to, you know, buzz about um, about about Michael Thomas uh, in New Orleans. And JJ, Jonathan Jones, uh, on our on our show was saying, Trent Williams is just raving about Trey Sermon. You know, and, and Heath was like, when you hear players starting to say stuff about guys, that you kind of, you know, are interested in and, and, and the, the buzz is going through the locker room, you know, those things are, are, I think important. So it, it's for me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a probably a little different spot than, than most people in this industry. Cause I'm a former beat guy and I cover the dolphins for many years. So I have relationships with a lot of writers, you know, so I, I reach out to guys that I trust. Uh, but I think the, the, the larger point is probably what I said at the beginning. If you have a good feeling about a player, and somebody says something positive, you're like, yeah, go, guy, go. <laughs> and then, says, you know, that guy's, you know, like, you know, J the Jamar Chase report. Oh, he's not getting separation. Well, if you're not a Jamar Chase guy, you're like, well, oh, I'm going to maybe invest a little more in T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, you know, so it goes both ways. Jimmy, you mentioned trusting some of the players, trusting some of the writers. Are there coaches that you are more excited to hear news from than others because uh, maybe they're more, they're less less prone to hyperbole in discussing their own guys? And then what types of news are you looking for in terms of role or best shape of my life? Or is there a specific thing that comes out from the coaches that maybe jumps out to you more than someone simply say, oh, well, he's lighter and running faster? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're more inclined to avoid the the rah-rah guys. You know, uh, Pete Carroll is obviously, you know, Mr. Optimism. Um, you know, so anytime he says something positive about a guy, it, it's probably <laughs> you want to go the opposite. Um, John Gruden, you know, th those type of guys, they're, they're always, you know, prone to hyperbole and, and you know, it's a little nerve-wracking. I, I think, you know, you look for uh, role, most importantly. You know, uh, best shape of my life is always interesting because, you know, running backs, we try to avoid the guys that are putting on weight, you know, and, and um, I know, like, Last year, Ben, for example, you know, the Ronald Jones conversation after Dave spoke to his trainer, you know, and what kind of muscle was it or what kind of weight was it? You know, those things are always tricky. But uh, if you're an Ezekiel Elliott guy, for example, you know, when you see um, that he's in the best shape of his life, you know, that's encouraging. Ben Roethlisberger, that's encouraging for especially guys that you know were not necessarily in the best shape of their careers, uh, maybe in previous seasons. So 
Uh, in terms of the coaches, you know, I, I, I'll give you another example, you know, tying into our, our, our reporters. Um, so Pete Prisco, who's covered the NFL for 30 plus years. And I, I know Ben's probably having flashbacks now, cause I would say Pete's name all the time, but I, I trust Pete as much as anybody. And he's certainly gotten his fair share of things wrong, but he's, he's one of those guys that has covered the league so long. If he wanted to be an insider, he could have been, um, just because of the relationships that he has, but he's meeting coaches, you know, that are new in the league for the first time. And he didn't know Brian Flores. And he got a chance to uh, go hang out with Flores for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it was at Dolphins camp. And he came away and, you know, Pete and I talk all the time. And he was like, dude, he loves Miles Gaskin, loves Miles Gaskin. And so if you're a Gaskin guy, so now you hear something like that, you know, for me per se. Um, and and Pete's, you know, uh, kind enough that he allows me to share this stuff with our audience. So Ben's heard me, you know, mention these type of things before. But so he loves, he says, Flores loves Gaskin. So again, confirmation bias. Well, now you start to put the puzzle together. Well, what'd they do last year when Gaskin got the job? He had the job. It was his, you know, it wasn't a shared situation. We didn't see a lot of other guys. And then you look at the off season, what'd they do? They brought in a, you know, basically a journeyman or, you know, a guy like Malcolm Brown, who's not going to be a feature type of guy. And then you hear the coach say something like that to a reporter off the record. Um, or at least, you know, not something that's, uh, the type of news that you have to report that's going to, you know, be earth shattering. So, it starts to, again, the, the, the snowball effect and, you know, you buy into things like that. So, um, you know, you, you know, the coaches that are just more prone to it than others, but I, I think, you know, again, it comes down to who you trust, you know, who you've been reading for a long time, you know, who, who are the reporters that you, you follow on Twitter or, you know, you see their, their writing and you, and you know, they're just not throwing stuff out there. And, and I'll, I'll give you a, a real life example that I learned as a young reporter. Um, my first year of doing free agency for the uh, Palm beach post when I was covering the dolphins, um, I was, uh, the way that we did it was we, we split up calling agents. Uh, I was Joe Shad was the, the reporter at the time. He's, he's now back covering the team as the beat writer for the dolphins. Joe said, you take these agents, I'll take these agents. We'll make some calls. So I don't even remember the agent anymore at the time, but it was TO's agent and he was a free agent. And I called the agent and I said, uh, Hey, are, uh, is TO interested in the dolphins? And he said, Oh, absolutely. You know, went on this whole diatribe about how it'd be a great fit, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, I, you know, reached out to somebody in the organization said, yeah, of course we're, we're going to consider, you know, T.O. And so a road story, big headline, T.O. Uh, Dolphins have mutual interest, whatever it was. And I got just lit up and down by uh, uh, another beat writer for um, different, different publication. Uh, you can probably figure out which one there's not that many in South Florida, <laughs> but of course the agent's using you. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, like trying to help me as a young guy, uh, but also pissed that he hadn't now chased the story. And so, you know, there, there are things that people use reporters for. So, you know, again, it comes down to who you trust. But I learned that lesson as a young reporter. And so I, I try to, you know, you know, read through those blurry lines myself when I'm looking at some of these practice reports and, and things coaches are saying. Yeah, I mean, that is super interesting. I love hearing the Gaskin up being a University of Washington guy, obviously. I mean, it, you talk about positive confirmation bias. I want that guy to succeed so bad. Yeah, man. <laughs> There's a lot of situations that are kind of confusing right now that, that um, you know, they're the, the whole fantasy community is either kind of shying away from or some that, that are, we're sort of dipping our toes in. We, we think might have value. I'd love to get your thoughts on it, whether it's, you know, some of this insider information we're talking about or just your, you know, your analyst hat, who, who you like. So it's, it's almost like this quick game of, is there a sleeper here? The first one uh, is a new Orleans situation with Michael Thomas hurt. There's just so many available targets. We're hearing a lot of buzz about Marcus Callaway. Is he the guy now? Is there someone else there that you like? I think it's more just, you know, for Callaway, it's not just Michael Thomas. It's Traquan Smith not being on the field, you know. So with both those guys there, it's almost like who's left. And, um, you know, uh, again, you know, 
Pete Prisco was in New Orleans with Sean Payton, and Pete was basically saying, how could you play Taysom Hill and not play Jameis Winston? He's like, you, you may need Taysom as a, as a pass catcher <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, because all these bodies are, are, are going by the wayside. I think Callaway is, is certainly a guy getting some buzz. Uh, I still think Traquan's ceiling is higher. You know, If you were to tell me both are healthy, I'd rather have Traquan Smith. I'd be more inclined to just avoid those guys unless we're just talking late, 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 and that's where they're going. So it's, you know, it's the free space you know, with one of your last picks. I think it's going to be a lot of Kamara, a lot of Troutman. Um, you know, that's something that, that Pete came away from Sean Payton's conversation, you know, so, uh, that's, that's encouraging, you know, for people that are investing clearly with Kamara with the top five pick and, and Troutman as a, as a potential sleeper breakout tight end, whatever category you want to put him in. But if, if you're looking at just those second tier wide receivers behind Michael Thomas, um, if I'm drafting now, I'm probably give a little more of an edge to Callaway, but I think when Traquan's there, he's going to be the better talent of the two. How about a situation at running back? for the Falcons where we know Mike Davis is not an established NFL star. So the number two position in an offense that still should be pretty good becomes pretty appealing. Hawkins, someone who has this great profile and has the athleticism might be someone even who would be prone to more high value touches. But when you're talking about someone who's undrafted, you really need to hear buzz to start feel comfortable drafting him. And instead we have reports that Allison is like the clear number two. Is there a way that fantasy owners should be playing that right now? Avoid, <laughs> you know, probably is the best way. Um, but I, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a committee if they don't, you know, if they lose Davis or they don't trust Davis. I The, the, the one thing that kind of scares me a little bit, and this is something I think, you know, when you, you follow trends around the league, is who follows the coach? You know, whenever a coach changes teams and who followed the coach? You know, it was a, it was a signing that they just made last week, but Deontay Foreman was with Arthur Smith in Tennessee. And does he gain a little bit of an edge over those backup guys? And why do they bring in somebody like that this late in the game? You know, so is it because Patterson is still just the gadget guy and he's going to continue to be the gadget guy? Or is it really that the other three guys aren't necessarily, you know, distancing themselves uh, from one another? I still think this is a team that is going to add somebody else, whether it's a guy who gets cut toward the end of the, the, the training camp preseason process. Or maybe they make a move for somebody, you know, the Petersons, the Le'Veon Bells, the Duke Johnsons of the world, you know, the guys that are still out there. So I wouldn't rule out somebody else coming in. But right now, if I'm handcuffing Mike Davis or I'm just looking to get somebody in this backfield, I probably would take a chance on, on Allison just because I think that's the guy that they're favoring. Uh, but it's probably not going to be a, a, a difference-making type of player either way. Yeah, I've been kind of liking him just because he's a bigger back. And we know Smith comes from, from Tennessee. It's interesting that you point out Foreman, though, too, another bigger back. But, you know, if he wants to try to recreate some of the Derrick Henry stuff, it is it is uh, uh, an interesting thing to hear the positive buzz on Allison for sure. What about the Jets running backs? Obviously, Michael Carter, fourth-round rookie. Looks like he has sort of the red carpet rolled out for him. Tevin Coleman comes over from San Francisco where the coaching staff came from. They have Ty Johnson. They have Michael P. Ryan. How are you playing the Jets backfield? It's Carter for me, you know, uh, sometimes I, and, and Ben, you probably remember this and, and, and Sean, uh, you know, we, we, I'm sure we all fall victim to the shiny new toy, but they, the fact that they were giving him, you know, the, the first team reps out of the gate, I think is certainly encouraging. And, and look, Tevin Coleman is who he is at this point. You know, he's got a hard time staying healthy. He's never really taken advantage of being a featured guy. Uh, when he got the opportunity to go to San Francisco, Michael P Ryan, I think, you know, showed you, he's just a guy, you know, and I say that, uh, as a Florida guy myself. So. I was uh, I was hoping he would have an opportunity. They seem to like Ty Johnson, so that's interesting to keep an eye on. But 
my guess it's it's something similar to the Falcon situation that if Michael Carter doesn't live up to the expectations or gets hurt, we're going to see a committee backfield there. Um, and a lot of people looking at Michael Floor coming from Kyle Shanahan's system, expecting to be more of a, a timeshare, which I, I don't think they're going to get Michael Carter, you know, uh, the 20 touch opportunity, you know, I, I think at best you're looking at a 15 touch opportunity, but um, one of our guys at, at CBS um, is Emery Hunt, who's a former running back himself and is a, you know, does a good job in the scouting process leading up the NFL draft. I believe if I remember correctly, and I, I don't want to say this wrong, I know he liked him better than Javante Williams. I think he might've liked him better than Najee Harris, um, Michael Carter, you know, so uh, very high on Carter coming into the NFL draft before he went to the Jets. He got to a team that, you know, has certainly a need, and so uh, I'm excited about Michael Carter. You know, I'm not going to overdraft him, but, you know, he's in that uh, probably in the dead zone for Ben, but, um, <laughs> you know, where he goes. But I still think somebody that you, uh, if you get at the right spot, can can be a flex option for you or, you know, uh, an RB2 if you go receiver heavy to start your team. How about the Patriots? This offense that appears to have a lot of running back talent, but maybe no superstars and maybe an offense that doesn't actually lend itself that well to running backs actually scoring points this season a little bit different maybe than during the Tom Brady years do you have a guy here I mean Damian Harris not that expensive as the presumed starter but also even at the price he has maybe a little bit limited I like Damian Harris quite a bit you know I, I think you know you go back to last year and you saw the work that they gave him um you know it was encouraging uh he's not going to do anything to passing game so you know you got to be worried about that and clearly what Cam does um you know, at the goal line and his his rushing touchdowns and, and all those things that, that go along with Cam Newton. But I, I do think that this is going to be one of the more run-heavy teams in the NFL. I think you're going to see a much improved offensive line, uh, just a better team in general because I think their defense will be better also. I would like to see them move on from Sonny Michelle. And this is one of the guys I think that could make some sense in Atlanta if they were to pick him up or trying to make a move for him. Um, maybe the Rams if they were to try to get just another, you know, compliment to, to Daryl Henderson. Maybe Miami if they wanted to, you know, have some other options for uh, Miles Gaskin, but uh, if they get rid of Sony Michelle because he's apparently having a strong training camp, and then allow it to be the three-headed monster of uh, Harris as the lead guy, James White playing his role, and then as we saw in the preseason game, Ramondre Stevenson uh, was pretty exciting. So you know, for anybody that still has their dynasty drafts coming up, if if they haven't done their rookie drafts yet, you know, he's gonna probably move up a few spots. But um, I think Damien Harris has the ability to be that guy, and and they showed you that last year that they were were comfortable with him. Um, you know, I think it was about three of his 10 games over 100 yards, you know, so uh, he, he can he can be a, a decent flex type of running back. I don't know if he's a league winning type of guy in PPR or half PPR, but for those people that play in non PPR, he's more attractive in those formats. I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself accent and tools up on the Road of His website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021 we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, enough dancing around it. You are the sleepers, breakouts, and bus guy. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, version version 3.0 is not out and will be coming out soon, I imagine. Let's go position by position a little bit. Who are a couple of your favorite – I mean, we'll just start a quarterback. Who are a couple of your favorite quarterback sleepers this year? You know, it, it quarterback's so hard because there's – you know, everybody's going to say Trey Lance at this point. Everybody's going to say, you know, probably Trevor Lawrence still just based on where their ADP is. And, and that's really the the – I think the way you have to approach it is, you know, guys that are going late. But I'm going to go off the board with two old guys at the position that I think are going to be good super flex plays, uh, two QB plays. They're not going to be one quarterback options on draft day, but by the end of the season, they could be streaming guys for you. It's Roethlisberger and Fitzpatrick. And, you know, it, it's funny because we as a fantasy community will sit here and say, draft Najee Harris potentially as a first-round pick. Draft Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and Juju Smith-Schuster as potential starting options, but avoid Roethlisberger. And, you know, he was the 13th quarterback last year. Um, I'm hoping that better shape, healthier elbow. Um, the offensive line situation is so interesting to me because, you know, they lost name guys, but they lost name guys who played poorly last year. So hopefully the reset button will help them. And I think if Ben can take advantage of, you know, these, these weapons that he has, he can end up being, you know, a, a better quarterback than he was last year. Not necessarily back to the 2019 or 2018 form that he showed us but can certainly be somebody that can be in that streaming conversation. And again, a, a super flex and two QB, two QB league guy. And then Fitzpatrick, look, I mean, every time he gets a chance to play, he plays well, <laughs> you know, so you put him in a situation behind a strong offensive line. You know what? I think it's going to be a good run game. Uh, I love Scott Turner and the system that he has. Um, Terry McLaurin, I think has got star potential. Uh, hopefully Curtis Samuel's healthy. Logan Thomas was good last year. You know, I can run down the list of all the guys they have there. Uh, I guess I already did that. Um, but, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick's got a good spot in a, in a good situation. And again, not a one QB guy you want to draft, but a two QB and super flex guy. I think he's certainly uh, worth uh, keeping your eye on. And, and in those leagues, you know, uh, drafting as well. I love to hear that about Fitzpatrick. I'm always fighting my co-owners on all of these leagues that we do where we get uh, kind of into those late middle rounds. And, you know, can we pass? It's like, let's pass on QB, pass on QB. You're in a best ball. You need two or three guys. And Fitzpatrick's going to be sitting there late. Like he's going to score so many points. Why can't we just target him? <laughs> so awesome to hear you say that. Ben and I want to know, we desperately need the running back sleeper so we can execute our zero RB teams. Who should we look at? <laughs> I've never known Ben to do that. I thought he's always, you know, robust RB. It takes, it takes them all for five or six picks. Two guys that I, 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 I draft a lot. Uh, first is Daryl Williams. You know, I, I think, you know, you always look at who could be, 
the guy on a great offense. And I think Clyde Edwards is going to have a bounce back season because the offensive line is going to be dramatically better. You know, that group was terrible last year, certainly as we saw in the, in the Super Bowl. Uh, but Daryl Williams is somebody for me that I've taken in so many drafts already. And he's one injury away. As we saw last year, you know, they were comfortable with using him in the playoff run when Le'Veon was bad and, and Edward Slayer was hurt. And so Jarek McKinnon's going to have his role. I don't think he's the type of guy that they'll lean on as a rusher. He's more of a guy to lean on as a pass catcher. That role is obviously going to be important. But uh, Daryl Williams, I think, you know, uh, the, the report earlier this uh, or two weeks ago, I guess it was at this point, where he was getting, you know, 30% of the first team reps already. You know, uh, we had our guy, Evan Washburn, um, who's, you know, one of the NFL reporters for CBS. He was actually with the Chiefs that day that that came out. And I asked him about that. And he said, he said, mostly it's just they want to make sure Daryl Williams knows what he's doing. It's not that he's taking anything away from Edward Solaire, who should be the guy there. But again, tells you that they could lean on him if, in fact, Edward Solaire goes down. And we saw that happen to him last year. And the other guy is, is Xavier Jones. You know, again, looking at the offense and what it's going to be for the Rams. Um, uh, another team that can add somebody still. But I, I think, you know, you just look at the fact that they said the other day, uh, carve out a role for himself. Um, those type of things are the things that you look for. You know, the lottery ticket guys, the the, the guys who get a chance and, and, and hopefully take advantage of it. I don't think the Rams are done with what their backfield is going to look like, but I do think he's going to be the second guy for now. And uh, if that's the case, that's somebody that's easily worth what his draft capital is right now, which is in the double-digit rounds. Yeah, he's really interesting because – Everyone is assuming they're going to add somebody, but who's that going to be? Is that player even going to be that useful? You mentioned Le'Veon Bell last year, not really doing much with the Chiefs. If it's somebody like that that's a little bit older that maybe doesn't really have it, and and maybe Jones with this positive buzz is so good that they decide not even to do it, which would be sort of a surprise at this point, but that's a team that has definitely generated a lot of running back points over the last couple of years, and 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 McVay really likes to use the running backs in the, in the red zone, especially. Scored a lot of touchdowns, so if he got an opportunity – um, to be the lead back, say Daryl Henderson misses some time. I think he could be really interesting. What about wide receiver? Who are a couple couple of your favorite sleepers at receiver? Uh, Jacoby Myers is somebody that I liked a lot last year, and you know is is you know the buzz is starting to you know uh, come up to the surface again, again, again with him, which is, makes sense. You know Nelson Aguilar, I, I never really understood the signing uh, for him to be the lead guy there, and you know Myers uh, was was very valuable for them, you know, last season when Julian Edelman got hurt. And I think, you know, as we saw in the first preseason game with Mac Jones, you know, I don't know how many shots he's going to take down the field, but uh, if they continue to do what the Patriots continue to do and live in the middle of the field, um, you know, Jacoby Myers, I think, has a chance to uh, lead them in receptions, potentially lead them in targets. We'll see with the tight ends, but uh, have the chance to, uh, you know, be a great PPR asset. Uh, he's got to find the end zone, hasn't scored yet in his career. So I think that will happen. There's a bold prediction for you. Jacoby Myers will score a touchdown this season. So he's somebody that I think, you know, you just look at right now, given his opportunity uh, on the team that he's on. I, I hope Hunter Henry comes back and they can run this two tight end set and this two tight end offense that they want to use and, you know, maybe get back to whatever version of Gronk and Henderson or Gronk and, Gronk and Hernandez that they had, um, you know, once upon a time. But I think Jacoby Myers is, is the new Julian Edelman for them and, and can lead them in receptions and be a very, very good uh, late round pick for you, especially in, in leagues where catches count. Then the other guy, I guess, would be um, uh, Sterling Shepard is another one that's, you know, becoming more and more attractive to me is the longer Kenny Galladay is out. Daniel Jones trusts Shepard. Um, I love when guys are, you know, in, in certain situations, he's playing for contract. You know, I, I think he saw the writing on the wall this off season when they signed Kenny Galladay and they drafted Kadarius Tony, they're probably not going to you know pay him next year um, unless, you know, he gets hurt or something happens and he gets, you know, some sort of, you know, cheap deal, like a, like a juju to come back for a one-year situation, prove it deal. But I mean, Shepard's been Daniel Jones's guy. And I know that sounds funny to say, but, 
he does a great job getting open, great job making plays. Um, he's always undervalued and underrated. And, you know, the Giants are uh, in a spot now. The longer Galladay misses and the more Kadarius Tony, you know, comes in and out of the lineup, I think Sterling, Sterling Shepard's role is pretty much solidified. That's great to hear for some of the best ball advice, again, that we've given where uh, the veteran wide receivers late with established roles tend to really be big for win rates, whereas chasing uh, some of these younger players who don't have a role and are very speculative tends to knock those down. Uh, you've given us some great insider info. And with the Jacoby Myers pick, I was wondering if you had insight for us on kind of how long Cam Newton versus Mac Jones. People are so focused on, you know, when will Justin Fields play? When will Trey Lance play? But when Mac Jones will play it is very relevant for a Patriots team that's going to have a lot of very cheap options at running back and wide receiver. I think if you, if you listen to Cam Newton last night, you know, there was a clip that was circulating after he uh, took the hit from Chase Young. Somebody asked him about Chase Young and he said, uh, was, you know, he was talking about Chase Young. So that was kind of the reason why the, the clip made the rounds, but he talked about the ball security, you know, and, you know, I think we all look at it and say, okay, losing streak, they replace him. Uh, injury, as we know, Cam, from time to time has gotten banged up. And last year had the COVID situation. Um, easy to replace him. And then, you know, you don't turn back. And, and that's how the Patriots, you know, success started when Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady took over. But I think if it, if he's having a, a, turn, a stretch of games where he's turning the ball over, they'll replace him in that regard, whether they're winning or losing. You know, because the thing that came out of that last night is he can play quarterback for the New England Patriots. And, and that doesn't mean he's ready to be an NFL star or maybe an NFL starter. But he did the things that they want to do. Move the ball, don't take a lot of chances, and certainly don't turn the ball over. And I think he's very capable of doing that. He is the definition of a system quarterback in that small sample size for what that team has to offer. If he's just doing what he was asked to do, great. Does he have more to offer? I certainly think so. But just that small snippet, he seemed to show you that he can run what the Patriots offense used to be. You know, I think um, if, you, if you, know, you know the Patriots history, Prior to Randy Moss and, and Wes Welker in, in 2007, I guess it was, right? They were a ball control, run the ball, lean on their defense team. And I think that's the way that they're built right now. So Mac Jones can do that. So I would not be surprised. There's no insight there. This is just me telling you this. Uh, there's, there, there would not be a surprise if, if Cam Newton, you know, fumbles you know, once or twice in the game or, you know, starts to turn the ball over a little bit. Uh, Mac Jones will be under center for the Patriots probably sooner rather than later. That's really interesting. Um, how about... Tight end for your sleepers. Who are a couple guys that you're looking at late? Kind of a gross position always, but uh. <laughs> it is a gross position, you know. So I, I think you know, for me, I, I try to look past like you know, Irv Smith and Adam Troutman. You know, I think will fall into this category from an ADP standpoint. But I'm looking at the 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 next group of guys. I still think there's an opportunity for Blake Jarwin if he's healthy. Uh, Dalton Schultz is a little bit banged up right now. I don't like the fact that Schultz is doing as much as he's doing in camp, at least based on the reports. So it's a little hard to say you can buy back into Blake Darwin, but I was so excited about him last year. You know, I thought he was going to take that step forward. You know, what he showed you, you know, toward the end of the season in 2019 um, with the opportunity there. And, and Schultz kind of played that out without Dak Prescott on the field, you know. So I hope that he can, you know, come back and prove that he's the guy. His contract still says he's the guy, but will his opportunity be the same? And it's a crowded offense, but uh, Dak has shown you this, uh, you, know, you know, I I don't want to say the, the system because we don't really see it, but, you know, Schultz played – well enough last year to show you that even in a crowded receiving core, uh, the tight end can still make some plays, especially in the red zone. So Jarwin's somebody that I still draft uh, quite a bit and I'm still excited about. And then Ben, I'm sure you've probably said this a lot as a Seattle guy, but Gerald Everett is the other one. Um, you know, just going to that system where he knows 
the play caller now, and they're begging for a third guy to step forward. You know, I mean, they've been begging for a third guy to step forward for years. Uh, Metcalf and Lockett are going to get their targets. They're going to get their numbers. They're going to put up plenty of production. But I do think that you see Russell Wilson saying we have a playmaking tight end. And obviously, they have a lot of guys there. You know, Will, Will Disley's still there. He's going to get his chances as well. But I think familiarity matters. As I, I, you know, going back to the Deontay Foreman situation, player following coach, they know that in certain situations, they can rely on that guy, whether that's a key third down, a red zone play, uh, you know, a, a second voice in the huddle, a second voice in a practice, in a meeting room. And I think Gerald Everett will be that guy. So he's somebody that I think, you know, if people are inclined, especially in best ball, you know, you have to take two tight ends. But if you're inclined in a redraft league to take a second tight end, just as a, as a flyer to see what happens, I think Gerald Everett's one of those guys you put on your list because uh, if Russell Wilson and this offense does change to whatever degree it changes and gets a little bit more open and the ball out quicker, I think Gerald Everett will be that third pass catcher for uh, for Seattle. Jamie, this has been awesome. Um, maybe you could leave us with one more situation we should be looking at. Perhaps you know how do we deal with the tricky uh, Packers wide receiver core at this point? And then obviously our audience knows where to find you, but but tell listeners where they should be looking for you and and what you've got coming up. I think with the Packers. Um, Aaron Rodgers told you who he's going to make as the second guy. You know, I want Randall Cobb. You know, I, I'm going to imagine he's uh, he's seeing all the things about Jay Kumaro in Buffalo. Is like, okay, when they cut him or if they cut him, you know, let's let's bring him back and maybe sign Jordy Nelson once again and get everybody back <laughs> that he once upon a time been you know enamored with. I don't love any of the second guys. I don't know how you can because they throw to their backs. You know, Tanya's going to get his 70 targets or whatever it'll be. You know, over 17 games and he'll be a red zone threat. I also think, and this matters um, for how the the Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, you know, uh, photo that made its rounds when when Aaron Rodgers was having his drama. He wants to get Devonta Adams paid. You know, I don't think he's gonna go away from him. And why would you? He's the best wide receiver in, in the game. The way he runs routes and, and does everything that he does. So it's it's to me, it's Adams or bust. Uh, I did uh, we did hold a draft on CBS um, earlier this week. And I had just got done doing uh, Chris's Harris podcast, and Chris does a great job. And that was one of his uh, post-type sleepers. So it was in my head, and Randall Cobb was sitting there. I needed a, a fifth receiver, so I took a, a shot on Randall Cobb. That's the only thing I think you look for. You know, last-round pick, you know, and you get past the the waves and waves of guys that you like. Uh, I'll draft I'll draft Randall Cobb with the hope that, you know, he'll rack up a, a good enough amount of catches that, you know, it, it, it somewhat will matter. But there's it, it's a floor play as opposed to a ceiling play, and, and nobody should be chasing floor plays. You just settle for those type of guys. Um, you can follow me on on, uh, on CBS Sports HQ. It's our 24-hour streaming network. Uh, we have our Fantasy Football Today show every day at noon Eastern. Um, it, it brings in all of our, our cast of characters. Uh, I wish Ben was back, you know, for, for having him on because he was such a great addition, and we miss you every day. Uh, but uh, 12 o'clock Eastern, Adam Azer's on there, Dave Richard, Heath Cummings, uh, Chris Towers, you know. So uh, we bring in a bunch of guests, you know, so all the guys I mentioned, Pete, JLC, uh, uh, Jonathan Jones, you know, so we, we try to bring you as much football information as we can and hopefully help you win your fantasy leagues. That will do it for today's guest episode of Stealing Bananas as we help you find sleepers. Jamie Eisenberg from CBS helping us with some insider tips and some great background on how we want to deal with some of these depth charts. We really appreciate him coming on the show today. He was fantastic. I'm Sean Siegel. With me as always is Ben Gretsch. You can follow him at Yards Per Gretch, and even more importantly, make sure you subscribe to his newsletter, Stealing Signals. Uh, once you've read it, it will change the way you think about fantasy football. Uh, 
we hear that all the time from the people who do subscribe to his newsletter. Also, we appreciate all of our subscribers. And if you're renewing, extending, or joining us for the first time, use the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Get a 10% discount that way. We also really appreciate all of our subscribers. Two Stealing Bananas will have more shows for you soon. You get those the fastest if you subscribe to our feed. Uh, please leave us a rating review on your favorite app, the reviews. Again, just uh, we can't believe the outpouring uh, that we've gotten from the listeners. We appreciate that so much. Stay with us. We'll chat with you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.